0: Tales from the Chair is not intended to diagnose or treat any condition, illness, or disease. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for mental health treatment. Should you or a loved one require further assistance, please seek out a licensed professional. Welcome to Tales from the Chair. This is Carlos Cardenas. Nice to have you again. So today's topic is gonna be cramming versus studying. So there is actually a small distinct difference between the two. Cramming is the one where you study for a long amount of time and then pretty much just tire yourself to the point where you have enough information that you can get away with passing the next exam. Studying is a much more disciplined matter. It's a way of actually doing it in a very methodical way. Best way to think about it is thinking about Lisa Simpson and Bart Simpson. Lisa is an adamant studier. She thinks and plans and does things weeks, months in advance, to the point where she's constantly stressing out about things that either, one, she is never going to have any issue with, or two, a thing that isn't even going to happen. Meanwhile, Bart, super carefree, never worried about anything, but comes time for an exam or any kind of issue, he immediately has to cram, has to find any way of getting around teacher Krabappel or whatever her name was. So that's probably the best way to kind of like think of one way of managing things versus the other one. And ultimately, if you think about it, Lisa gets stressed out in a way that is completely different than Bart. So let's get into the stats, shall we? So first off, when I first heard about this, it was kind of interesting. So after 45 minutes of consistent studying, the brain starts consuming a significantly smaller amount of information. It reduces down to about a 75% retention rate. So think of it as if you're reading a paragraph that's four sentences long, it becomes maybe three of them that you're able to remember. Now, after about an hour and 15 minutes, that rate goes down to about 50%. Once again, four sentences. Now you're remembering about two of them. After that, it's a steady decline. Pretty much anything that you are trying to study, it's gonna take a lot of repetition before it actually repeats. Thing that a lot of people like to do is they like to just kind of study an hour, two hours, three hours ongoing, through the night, last moment before an exam and that just is an awful way of doing things. Uh, Usually what you're going to end up doing is you're going to exhaust yourself, you're going to get stressed out, a lot of the information that you're actually trying to retain is going to get lost. It's actually in the name of the strategy, it's called space learning. It's when you study for a little while, go and do something else and then you go back to studying and then you go and study something else and then you go back to studying and so on and so forth. So the best way of going about things, you have to look at it in kind of manner. Do you actually want to remember what you're learning? Because cramming is not going to do it for you. It's actually going to be a problem. It's going to make you forget the stuff either immediately when you're taking the exam or after when you are done with the exam, you pretty much cannot remember. When we come back, we're going to get into what is some of the best ways to go about studying, just kind of how some people have run into how they've studied and just kind of see where to go from there. All right. Okay, so we begin with the teenagers that I tend to work with. Now, usually what I end up getting through my door are one of two kind of teenagers. Either the ones that are really struggling, the ones that are kind of failing or getting very poor grades, aren't really trying too hard, are kind of skimming by. And then you have the ones that are overachievers, the ones that are going into three, four, five honors classes. They are overperforming in every which way, and both of them have the same exact problem. If you think about it, it's once again a Lisa versus Bart problem, where the Barts, the ones that are slacking, they tend to find different ways to get around the problem, not necessarily address it, study in the last moment, while you have the Lisas that are overcompensating, trying to study at every opportunity, never quite feel comfortable that they've gotten the information the way that they needed to get it, and they somehow think that in spite of having a GPA that is probably a perfect score as far as things are concerned, an SAT that is probably above the majority of their peers, they somehow think that they're not going to get into the college they desire, are going to pass the exam that they want to. Meanwhile, the ones who are more slacking off, not a care in the world, not at all worth that they aren't even making the benchmarks for community college and do not actually fear that what they're doing is going to have any kind of negative consequence. And it actually is very common. Now, I've got some news for you. The leases ultimately end up going to the Harvards, the Dukes, the Penn States, the random high-tier schools that they aspire for. And the Barts end up in the much smaller schools. And guess what? They're okay with it. That is neither a good nor a bad thing. It just is what it is. Another version of the Lisa's that I run into, I refer to as the Wunderkin. Now, these are people who come in independently due to, generally, anxiety issues. These are people who have been going about their lives, doing their thing, and they generally come in when they're about to face a much higher level of issues. So, you have someone who is about to take the bar after passing law school. You're talking about a doctor who's about to do one of their examinations. We're talking about a valedictorian who is going to take an SAT to get into either the College of their choice or uh, trying to just kind of get scholarships. What generally tends to happen is these people come in asking for assistance because they're dealing with a lot of anxiety. Now, here's the beat by beat thing that I tend to see when they come in. They have never had any issues with actually struggling from their academics. They've never actually failed or had any kind of difficulties in academics or in terms of finishing off an exam or anything any obstacle that they've ever faced, they've never actually failed at it. And it's an interesting psychological concept of, is it that there is a low self-esteem issue that's making them think that today is the day that it's going to finally go poorly for me, or is it just merely they aren't able to look backwards and realize, I've done this 20 times before, and this 21st time probably is going to be no different. And what generally has to happen with these people is that they need to look at it from a completely different purview. So a person who is about to take an examination to be a doctor, they have to study in a way which allows them to not only relax and accept that by relaxing, they're actually not setting themselves up for failure, but that they also are going to be okay no matter what the outcome is. And it's so interesting to me that no matter how many times I have seen a person who has been able to complete things over the course of their lives that they keep running into the same issues. I have worked with an individual since high school in which he was one of the lead people in his class, probably top 5%, and passed all his classes with fine colors, took all his examinations, usually had no issue in passing them, but every single time was stressed out out of their mind, because they felt this is the thing that's going to get me. This is the thing that's going to ruin my ability to go to Harvard. This is the thing that's going to ruin my ability to get a grant. This is going to be the thing that finally destroys me. And we get into college. And now it's, this is the exam that's going to set me back and make me lose my grant or my scholarship. This is the class that's going to ruin my degree. This is the moment that things are going to go poorly. They pass college. Now it's, how am I going to pass the grad school qualification exam? And the same exact beat occurs. And then I see them again when they're in grad school and we're going through the same exact thing in each and every one of their semesters, and then they have to take their examination to become a professional, and they have the same exact anxiety, the same exact issues going into it for 10 days at a row. And I know what you're thinking. Carlos, you're a pretty bad therapist if someone has been coming to you for several years with the same exact issue and you haven't been able to crack the code. Well, if there's anything about any of the other episodes that you've heard me speak about, it's not really about me and I'm not necessarily blaming the client either. It's just really systemically hard for a person who is a wunderkind to feel that they can ease up and that somehow is going to end out being okay. The anxiety is so heavy. And usually, you know, if you want to play detective about this stuff, there's always an interloper, right? There's a family member that is instilled doubt. There's a sense of pressure that comes from an outside resource that is making them feel that if you do not do it right, you are going to ruin everything. There's a sense of, once I accomplish this, this is it for me. There's so much psychological depth to this that it is very easy to understand why someone would get caught in one of these loops. And as a therapist, my main intent is not only to reality check with people and get them to understand every single time that they've passed and been able to do things previously, but reward yourself once you get past the next obstacle so that maybe the next time you don't see it from the same way. And... Generally, when I run into Wunderkins, they actually do break out of their cycle at some point. This kid in in particular, there were some other things that were going on in their lives that created some setbacks, so that definitely was something that aggravated and made it more difficult to break out of that cycle. Ultimately, the cycle breaks at some point because every checkpoint that you're reaching on the way up, eventually there is no more checkpoint, and you kind of reach that platform. So... The good news is, if you're a wunderkind, it ends after a certain point. It gets better. You just have to recognize that at some point, the reality of what you've done up until this point, it's not a falsehood. It actually is a testament to your ability. And that, well, so what if you fail? Be a Bart for once. So a few things about this, a uh, thing that I often run into, especially Barts, or even some Lisa's is that they will refer to themselves as procrastinators and laziness. I wanna point out, if you refer to yourself in this regard, it is a term that you are basically using to entrench yourself. That is something that you tend to do to basically give an excuse. It's a nice warm blanket. It's a nice little Linus blanket to protect you from the ability to do anything differently. You're basically lying to yourself. It's not so much about procrastination or laziness, it's just simply you don't wanna try out something uncomfortable take a chance, and then ultimately end up getting, well, not knowing if it works or not. So that's one thing to look out for. Also, generally, if you go to therapy, try to address some of these issues. Um, The canary in the coal mine is that if you're asking with two weeks to go before your final, or as you're in the middle of studying for one of these examinations, it's too late. Usually with, like many things, you pre-plan. You don't deal with things as they're happening because you're putting yourself in a position to fail. Think of it this way. If it's if it's hurricane season down here in Miami, you don't start planning the day before a hurricane arises. You set up your hurricane kit months in advance because... Best case scenario, no hurricanes come, and you just have an excess of crackers, water, and some supplies that you'll use at some point just for giggles. Worst case scenario, you are using your supplies, and you're going to be okay and not have to rush to the store in order to deal with those problems. But lastly, there's something to be said about spaced learning. You take 30 minutes of trying to integrate whatever information you're trying to gain, and then you go and do something else five minutes you go and eat a snack, 20 minutes you watch a TV show, 10 minutes you go for a walk, whatever it may be, and you get back to studying and you do another 30 minutes, and then you basically follow that procedural. Actually, an advanced form of spaced learning is that you try to learn whatever it is that you're studying for, and then you try to learn something independently. So for example, you're a doctor, you're trying to prepare for your boards, as you're studying, in those in-between times, you try to study how to i i I don't know play guitar how to learn strums and whatnot because the different muscle that you're using in your brain to do the other skill actually relaxes the other thing and allows you to retain the information better because it basically goes into the storage bin of your brain it actually helps for being able to process information better. It seems counterintuitive, right? How is it that if I'm doing something else and taking resources away from what I'm trying to focus on, that it actually is helping, but seriously, think about it. You have a big brain that a certain portion of it is dedicated to some kind of learning and a certain portion of it is dedicated to all these other things. You keep on activating different centers. They almost store that data differently. So keep that in mind. And then finally, There's something to be said about changing up your environment, changing up your situations, changing up how you go about doing things. So, for example, if you study in your room, don't study in your room. Study in your kitchen. If you study in your room and you can't work out of the kitchen, study outside. Yes, it sounds ridiculous, but actually it does help. If you change your environment, there is a good tendency of better retention because... Think of it this way. When we were running around fighting off tigers and bears and every animal that tried to murder and eat us... You always had to be active and you had to be prepared and your brain had to shut off certain processes and activate other ones. That kind of shift still exists in us right now and that actually allows for the information to be taken in a lot better because you're in a different state of stimuli. Expanding on that, if you study or try to learn things alongside other people, that helps with retention. Not necessarily because you're studying the way that they do, but just because the information is coming in in a different way, so it's not as stressful, it's not being as focused as much, and it allows you to expand your process of recognition. So, lastly, let's look at this specifically. Whether you're willing to admit it or not, if you are Lisa, history equals truth. Whatever it is that you've done previously is usually an indicator of what is going to occur in the future. Therefore, if you have had a propensity for actually doing well in your classes, or retaining information, or passing exams, or being able to deal with challenges effectively, you are not being cocky in recognizing there's probably a high chance that you're going to be able to perform well the next time around. And, well, if you're willing to admit that you're a BART, hey, there's nothing wrong with you. but. You have to put in a level of effort to segment the way that you study, to emulate testing situations so that you're able to retain information better. So basically, it's if you're going to be in a quiet classroom that has a lot of dinging and noise in the background, try to study in that situation. Five minutes, ten minutes. Try to emulate those kind of scenarios because it allows you to be able to maintain and retain the information a lot better in that respect. But with that... There's a lot of data about how to efficiently do these kind of things, from information regarding diet, to exercise, to how to be able to meditate and take information best. There are some people that actually can do very well with noise in the background. There are some people that actually don't do well with any noise at all. So, keep that in mind. Actually, one little detail for your consideration, I've been often asked if studying with music is okay. The big canary in the coal mine, so to speak, is if you are studying and the music has words it is now competing for resources of your attention so for the most part you cannot study with music that has words so instrumentals orchestral music all that good stuff that's fine if you're going to listen to rage against the machine probably not fine not that there's anything wrong with that band but the words that they're saying and that they're trying to convey are now interfering with the words that are conveyed in the back of your brain and that you are trying to say for yourself. So keep that in mind because it's one less thing to worry about. But with that, we're out of time. We're done for today. So if you like this, remember to like, subscribe, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, on Stitcher. You can also follow us on at some tales From on Twitter, or you can write to us on sometalesfromthechair at gmail.com. Looking forward to your email so I can do a mailbag and, well, we'll follow up the next time. So take care, be well, and we'll talk again sometime.